Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy, executive producer extraordinaire, uh, man with a plan at all times. That's what I say about you behind your back, Cameron. Uh, Cameron McCoy, friend, how you doing? That's r- I appreciate that. Like, I mean, people are going to be talking behind my back. I'm glad it's you. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're like the Cylons. You have a plan. <laughs> okay? So um, now that we've gotten our deep cut reference out of the way, Cameron, I want to hear from you. What have you been playing this week? Dude, oh, like standard. I mean, I've been playing some Explorer here and there, but um, I'm trying the blue-red control list uh, based off of – I can't remember if you just talked about it or if you had played it, oh, I have it a yeah. few weeks ago. Um, so just on its face, I really like this deck. I um, I think it's a lot of fun to play. Um, it is playing, you know, a full play set of your um, <laughs> Fable the Mirror Breaker. Uh, but it's, it's um, I don't know if it's actually that good against most of the battlefield. Like against certain types of decks, sure, it, it, it can it has game and you can you can take out, you know, those games. Uh, but against like the actual good things right now, it is far too slow. It is just I mean, I feel like I have just the wrong cards up against certain decks where it's like, why am I running a counter spell right now? Or why am I not running enough removal? Like it just it feels like no matter what I try to put into that 60, it's the wrong choice against Grixis Midrange, against Mono Red Aggro, against... I think the Mono Red deck matchup is, like, unwinnable with that deck. Yeah. I, yeah. I've never even gotten close. I, maybe I I'm mean, missing something or I, my sideboard tech is wrong. I don't know what your experience is. Goody gumdrops. I'm, I'm, like, you know, putting an 8-8 and destroying one of their creatures when they've already got me down to, like, two life. And... What am I doing? In D- I mean, it's just it's just so slow. So there is something there. Like, I mean, the, the red three mana wrath that deals three damage to everything is okay, but like, it's just I just don't think it's still like good enough against what mono red is doing, where it like just bashes you over the head. Um, the same thing with like Grixis. I just feel like there, you know. Once again, yay, I dealt you minus five, minus five on your one creature. Meanwhile, you've netted how much? <laughs> free mana, free cards, like, and we go on and on and on. So, um, I don't know. Like, in another universe, this is probably a great card, uh, or a great deck, I should say. But, um, once again, I, I just, I, I go to standard and I don't even know why I'm there because it just frustrates me playing it right now because. Some of these cards, I I just can't believe we are sitting here in January um, when Fable of Mirror Breaker has been this good for that long, and there's just no sign that that thing is ever going to go away. Uh, I mean, theoretically, it'll rotate one day. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> you know what's weird about that blue-red artifacts deck, though? To get back to that is... Yeah. Uh, I find that while you're playing Fable of the Mirror Breaker, the best card against you is Fable of the Mirror Breaker. That deck cannot deal with that card. Like, it, it is unbelievable. So, first of all, your outs against Grixis, not great. 
Your outs against soldiers, not great. Your outs against mono red, I find to be basically impossible. But again, mm-hmm. everyone else's mileage will vary. I'm sure I'm going to get some kind of, hey, Curtis, you're not doing X and Y correctly. But in my experience, that deck like cannot beat mono red. Um, and really, like the the theoretical good matchups like Esper, I still think are um, not not a short putt, right? Whereas if I'm playing Esper mid-range against Mono Red and I've got four Denix, feeling and some number of Shieldreds, feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good about my uh, matchup there. Like, I don't know how Mono Red beats a Rafine plus a Shieldred in play. Like, I just... That seems impossible, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, it's hard to put your finger on this thing because, like, look, we just named five decks that are playable in this format. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's because the the games really um, the hinging turn or whatever happens too soon is like the way that I think of it. Because there's times where I'm playing different decks and I feel like I'm very dead very early, even though functionally I'm not. And maybe it's just like you can't come from behind, but maybe it's just the standard doesn't have any charm. I it's. Can you help me put my finger on this, Cameron? Like, what is it for you? Is it just? Um, it's it's the repetitive nature of it. I feel like there are no surprises. Um, you know, mono red is mono red, and I'm glad to see that deck. Honestly, truly glad to see it. But like, between the mono. I, <sighs> I don't know. It, it's like, am I going to see on turn three a wedding announcement or am I going to see Fable the Mirror Breaker? Like, it's like those, everything is up to that turn, right? Everything matters to mm-hmm. that turn. And if you're not playing one of those cards, I just feel like you're doing something wrong. And I'm just so burnt out on on those like initial play patterns that just, once again, just... I don't know. It's like I, I I'm done with Blood Tithe Harvester. I'm blood. I'm done with like Corpse Appraiser. I'm just Invoke Despair. There's just like so many of these cards where I'm just like, I'm done with it. And uh, we're there. We're no closer to our rotation uh, with some of these cards. I think it's just time to see. I want to see them out, just out of the format. Yeah. And by the way, I think Invoke Despair has reached the level of primeval titan in standard where it's like when that is cast the chances of you winning when you cast it slash losing whenever you're on the receiving end plummet right like it is so hard to come back from that if Mm -hmm. you are and and, and yeah you can say oh that's like a cruel ultimatum but a cruel ultimatum had a lot more restrictions on you right it took yeah. a lot more effort, both in terms of casting cost, but also in terms of deck building cost, to actually be functional, right? And mm-hmm. this is the thing that I really, yeah, again, I, I think it's very easy for us to say standard is good, standard is bad. And for me, usually that means a diversity. And for whatever reason, this thing is just, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, Cameron, have you ever been to a Whataburger? I haven't. So it's a burger chain. We're going to get some listeners from Texas. They're going to be very upset about this, right? Okay. We finally got them in Kansas City, but it's like a competitor, like five guys in and out burger, that level of burger place, okay? Yeah. Culver's. I'm sure you're familiar with the Culver's being oh, from yeah. the upper Midwest. Um, and 
functionally, I should like Whataburger. Like burgers, like shakes, like onion rings. And uh, it's just a lot less than these other places. And I, it, it's hard to put my finger on because everything about it should be like great. Yeah. But it's just less than those other places. And that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. Also, real talk, Culver's definitely better than all the other ones, but whatever. Um, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. You're going to sit there and tell me that the ice cream at Culver's can be beaten by any oh. of these places? Like, no, come on. No, Yeah. Come on. What are we talking? Yeah. Uh, Midwesterners know what's up when it comes to dairy fats. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> okay? Um, we're no stranger. Yeah. Uh, any other playing you've done this week? Cameron, you said just a little bit of Explore, but nothing... Exciting. Yeah, yeah. Just still running with that mono green deck. I still think it's one of the best things you could be doing. Um, I'm having a good time with it. And then just, yeah, I have a who's who of decks right now. It's great. I can, you know, get my gold very, very quickly now, just based off of like the three decks that I'm always playing. Um, so there's that bonus, I guess. But yeah, I'm ready for something different. I want, I want some variety. Um, and I just feel like every single time I'm revisiting standard, it's it's the same three play patterns for those first three turns, and it's just uh, I'm ready for something new. Maybe a new limited format for you, Cameron. Maybe that'll yeah yeah. I know you've probably already forgotten that Dominaria Remastered came out, um, but you know, hey, if there's you get one a every week, so <laughs> yeah. If you get a chance to go to a shop and they still have Dominaria Remastered and they offer for you to draft, I think it's a good time. It's a very good set to draft. Um, I know I was pretty down on some elements of it, but the actual play experience is really good. Um, okay, here, here's my story with... So this week I did, and I'll talk about this at the end of the show, but I did have a PTQ in Flesh and Blood, so I spent a lot of this week kind of getting ready for that. I did spend a little bit of time in Explorer, and... I got to be honest with you, Cameron, I was kind of tired of futzing around with like, because I was playing mono black and some other things that are, I would say very medium, not bad, mm-hmm. but very medium. And then I was like, okay, on MTG Arena Zone, what's the highest win rate deck? And it was Just Guy, basically Just Guy Creativity. So it's basically a Just Guy Control deck, a Yorian deck. You have the creativity package in it for Agents of Treachery, but you're also playing Teferis. You're also playing Wrath Effects. Um, wow, that's really good. I don't know if you know this. Adrian of Treachery, real nice whenever you're cheating that thing in. Um, and uh, stole a lot of stuff, drew a lot of cards. That deck is still, any version of that, I tend to think the creativity versions are better because of how they interact with Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Um, I, like, Luca, I don't, I don't know that anybody plays Luca, but Fires of Invention I find to be problematic in its current incarnation, like I think it's way better with the enchantment, the green blue enchantment that you can sack an enchantment mm. to like go grab a creature and yeah, enig- enigmatic incarnation. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I know all the yeah. card names, Cameron. Yeah, um, but I I find this version to be a little bit better. You you like the that version of the deck is very good too. But I think the problem is sometimes you have some very awkward creature draws. Where, like, if you don't see that card, like your combo piece, then you kind of have an 80-card, like, bizarre enchantment creature sandwich thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a little strange. But um, this deck, really good. Explorer is kind of a nice, nice happy place to be. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I would say, like you, 
Um, both that and standard again, a little long in the tooth. Like they need to like introduce popper. There really needs to be like a third format that's for real. Um, competitive commander, which I've dabbled in. I can't remember what they call brawl. Right, it's brawl on mm-hmm. arena. Um, it's still a one v one format, so you would think, hey, you know, that might not be a problem for Curtis. But the commander commanic c- commander mechanic, I find to be not my favorite. Mm-hmm. So, eh, it is what it is. Uh, all right, Cameron. So. Lots of larger discussion pieces. There are a lot of Phyrexia all will be one um, spoilers. And I do get frustrated with myself whenever I do this. And then I go back and I want to listen to what we said about a card. And then I just am over here going, yeah, I don't feel like talking about the spoilers. I feel like talking about the news. But I want to kind of tie in these top two news stories. So I'm actually going to go with the, the middle one. I like really wanted to go out of my way to not talk about this. But I think it is something that is worth kind of thinking about in terms of how this community, how the D and D community did so much better kind of pushing back than we did mm-hmm. um, with some of these changes. Cause on its face. Okay. So I'm talking about the OGL. I'm not trying to slow roll you here, but basically the uh, uh, new version of the open game license for D and D went out. You had sent me a link about it. That was actually the first time I found out about it. Um, and then Basically, Watsy came back and said, actually, we're not doing that, so don't worry. Sorry. But the response was so unanimous and resounding from every corner of the D&D world about this. Whereas they didn't seem to take as much of a hint when it came to, like, Magic 30 or Alchemy. Like, is it because Magic is more fragmented? Or, like, help me understand, Cameron. Hmm. I'm really worried we're just headed to D&D players are just smarter and better organized, and I don't want to live in that world, so help me here. Yeah, I guess we just, we need a dungeon master is really what happened. Yeah, yeah, right? Uh, Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, maybe it is because, I mean, you know, there's like it, 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 three big things of magic, right? You have like, I think the arena people, you have like the tournament grinder and then you have the commander player um and you know those zen, are those uh, probably all interact in some way or capacity but maybe there's just not enough messaging going on or it could just be that based off of just magic rolling out more product like Watsi just doesn't care and they're just going to do this because that that's how you make with the money right so i don't have a good answer for you other than I think it's just there's there's more product for magic, and uh, we might raise our hands and say, uh, "I'm sorry, thousand dollars for four packs, just or three packs, or whatever it was, that's absurd. That might be uh, predatory." But um, they're not going to listen because there are probably people out there who still bought it. Well, I was hoping for something more comforting than that, Cameron. And the audience can't see you drink your smug tea while you, uh, you know, you go over that, but. On one hand, I was heartened that D&D... Look, so I just want to be clear here. I have basically no understanding of Dungeons & Dragons outside of a very cursory video game player guy, right? Mm -hmm. That How this works. So the OGL was even new to me. I knew that somehow there was a way that you could just use role-playing game mechanics, but I didn't even know about this, really. And I also think that maybe there's such a... With D&D, there's more centralized kind of media. Like there's things like Critical Role or whatever that 
everybody kind of glues into and you could read the YouTube comments and people could talk about these. There are some really great YouTube channels for magic, but there's nothing even remotely on that scale, right? So yeah, there is that, but it also kind of had me reflecting a lot on how much magic, like the, the way that they've made us think about this is that the kind of vector, maybe not the exact kind of group of people you were talking about, but really explicitly casual versus competitive, they've kind of, even really openly verbally, made it seem like those two things are antagonistic towards each other. And it's allowed things to kind of happen like what's been happening or like collectors and competitive players and Mm, tabletop mm, casual players. And that we're all supposed to be diametrically opposed and have different interests and all these things. And so... I guess this is me raising my glass to the D&D folks, so good job there. Mm-hmm. Um, but while this was all going on, I really felt like the first time meme, you know, with the guy that's at, like in the hangman's noose. Um, <laughs> but kind of more interesting, so this this tweet like thread kind of went out um, like four or five days ago, but um, this is uh, Sam Stoddard, who used to have a great magic podcast. Then he worked for Wizards of the Coast for magic, Okay. And this was kind of like food for thought to me. Um, he said, in his opinion, the biggest risk for long-term health of magic is basically it, magic is the boxes in recent sets have not held basically any value in short, medium term. Same goes for most sing- singles. Watsy Amazon dumps below distributor cost only make this worth worse. If holding both singles and skilled product is negative EV proposition. It's bad for both collectors and stores. Combined with a focus on commander instead of tourneys, it all makes it less obvious how you even make money running in the LGS. And there's more to his thing. I would really point you to her. That's at Sam Stodd. Mm-hmm. But I found myself wondering this too. If singles are going down in value and not being sold and box product is being fire sold on Amazon. I don't know if you saw that, but like the Black Friday sales had Brothers War boxes for like 75 bucks. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Meanwhile, my store, I mean, they can't go less than 100. I mean, you know, like it's so painful for those stores when you see that. It, it's mm-hmm. a bummer. So I know your shop is a lot more alive than some of the ones I've been to recently. But what's really alarming to me is how little trading slash buying singles happens. Um, I see a lot of people come in and pick up orders from online. And I know a lot of this is kind of COVID memory stuff. But like, especially without tournaments, and I know there's an RCQ season coming up here. And again, I'm not trying to be like back in my day, but back in my day, on like before a PTQ, Particular cards would be sold out in the case. Mm-hmm. And my, the cases at these shops I'm going to to play my game are completely full. So mm-hmm. I guess I just thought this was a really good series of points. I don't know that I have much to add to it. Yeah. I just wanted to I mean, know your thoughts, dude. Death by a thousand paper cuts. I mean, you know, like the the Watsy Amazon dump is one thing. I mean, the lack of tournaments is another. I mean... Just Watsy on their own, reprinting so much stuff where it's like things that should have value even and the long-term value of like some of these modern staples and legacy staples. 
I mean, they've been reprinted five times over now where there's so much product and there's just not enough player base, you know, that it's just, once again, hurting, I think, these LGSs uh, very much so. Um, so, yeah, dude, I don't know what the uh, what the long-term outlook is for this. It, it's just like, first and foremost, like, just quit selling to Amazon. I'm sorry. Like, that should just... Support the LGSs. Like, what that should be Watsy's like priority because that is where the funnel is. We shouldn't be spending. I'm sorry, but it's it's wrong for us to be spending sixty dollars on these boxes when, or you know, when a shop can't even sell them for that little. You know, like mm-hmm. completely out of whack. And I know people have said, oh, "Well, hey, Amazon's doing that because it's leftover, and anything that they have left over, they have like an algorithm that says, oh, hey.'" You can sell this below cost because we got to free up the space for something that does sell, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, while I hear that you're explaining why this happens, all of it still backs up the problem point. <laughs> like, you know what I yeah. mean? The fact yeah. that you're saying it's not selling on Amazon is a concerning element of this discussion, too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But like, anyway, I'm not trying to be too doom and gloom because I do think, look, this is not a magic is dying. It is a I'm very concerned about the health of the LGS and the competitive game scene. That's a different thing. Like, yes, I get it. People play Commander. I don't really understand how shops make money on Commander, but, hey, cool if they do, right? Um, no beef with that. But, you know, I kind of got into this with a, a local shop employee. It was like a who's on for, first, like, skit when I was like, okay, so what is the RCQ? And they're like, well, it's a regional championship qualifier. It qualifies you for regionals. And I was like, well, what do you get at regionals? And they're like, well, it's the regional championship. I'm like, I understand that it's the regional championship. <laughs> what happens from there? You know, like it just kind of its amazing to me how circular it got. But whatever. Um, anyway, outside of all that negativity, Cameron, how would you feel about some new mechanics, some old mechanics, um, most interesting is the return of poison counters. Now, there's this new thing called toxic, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just referring to um, Star Wars fans in the comments. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> um, basically, it gives a, like... Now could these creatures deal combat damage along with a certain number of poison counters. So they cannot be pumped, right? Mm-hmm. They just give three poison counters or whatever. Um, happy that poison is back or PTSD? Uh, a little PTSD. Um, you know, I never played what was Phyrexia. I mean, but I've played, you know, plenty of things where poison was a thing. Um it's it's not my favorite mechanic, um, and I'm scratching my head thinking what Toxic is going to bring, you know? I mean, it, it's whatever, I guess. Um, you know, right now, if it means getting rid of the token that much more quickly uh, against Fable and the Mirror Breaker, I'm for, I guess I'm for, for Poison, right? There, wow. <laughs> Cameron coming in strong with his anti-Fable take mm-hmm. you really hate that card oh i'm just done with it done with it it's like agent of treachery when you say that i'm like i don't want to ever see that card again 
Oh, dude, when I was playing cards this week, a guy was like, yeah, you know, I used to play Magic. I always played this card, this deck that always played this card called Curious Obsession. And I, like, had this visceral reaction to Curious Obsession. <laughs> like, you don't like that card? I was like, no, I do not like that card. <laughs> had enough of that one. Um, no, I, I guess this is fixed, but it's awkward. Right? Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. then you're also taking damage. So... Yeah, yeah. You're kind of like, wait, okay, so I'm at eight. Now I'm down to two, but six poison. Like, it's strange. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I guess you can get double killed this way. So that's cool. Mm. Um, and speaking of, I, I guess I should say that. Now we, we also should mention the most overrated, I'm prepared to say this, the most overrated mechanic of all time. Proliferate. Oh. People... Love this mechanic, Cameron. A mechanic that has seen zero constructed standard modern legacy play. Zero. Mm-hmm. But it is beloved. I don't know why. Comes up in limited. It's fine in limited. Um, and I guess now there's more planeswalkers. So, you know, this like one that they have experimental augury, which is basically... Uh, um, not an impulse. Anticipate. Anticipate, anticipate with proliferate. Um, <laughs> it's not confusing at all. Uh, which is probably good if you have a Teferi or a Wandering Emperor in play. So that's cool. Um, what are you feeling on proliferate, dude? Uh, it, it does seem to be adding just a little bit of confusion. I don't know. I don't really have a strong way... Uh, feeling about this card or this this mechanic i guess one way or the other um yeah that's what i'm gonna say <laughs> yeah so and there's also a mechanic that's corrupted that is like if your opponent has so many poison counters it does a thing obviously this will matter a heck of a lot more in limited than it will in in constructed especially with one set blocks um you know we'll talk more about spoilers next week as we kind of head into the set mm-hmm. uh Good news. Uh, there is some new swords, or a new sword at least. So that's pretty awesome. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a little twinge of uh, nostalgia. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, there's some good <laughs> things going on here. So, all right, Cameron, let's get out of the segment, come back and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron, so you've just written the word weird here. I don't mm-hmm. know if this is a reaction to what I've written or <laughs> if it's a thing that I should know what it is. Uh, it is the biopic of Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, with uh, Harry Potter. Yes, with, with Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, so this is available on Roku TV. Um, somehow my wife and I were just able to watch it with no commercials. So we watched a free movie. It was great. Um, Way to go. You're part of the problem. All right. I am. Yeah. Well, Roku is for not <laughs> charging us ads, I guess. Um, but this is the Weird Al Yankovic story. And um, growing up, I don't know about you, but there's a moment in time where myself and my friends were obsessed with Weird Al Yankovic, uh, like all the parody songs and all that stuff. So he was very, very popular when the Amish Paradise song came out. Um, and I just remember, I mean, I bought that album. Um, it had like all these like, you know, great parody songs from like Lump 
that was Gump and, you know, Amish Paradise and all that stuff. And I, 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 at that moment, I loved him. And I've always had just mad respect for the guy because he's just like goofy, over the top, and just just this tidal wave of positivity. Like he's just like a guy that seems to just loves being goofy and weird and and just kind of thrives in that world. And I just have mad respect for him and kind of what he he brings as far as like positivity and and taking like these songs and doing his own fun, unique thing. And that's been his thing. Um, so this movie, much like UHF was, which was the movie he started in the eighties and it's just goofy and just over the top. Um, Conan this the is librarian is in UHF, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this movie is, um, it's a biopic and there are parts of it that ring true, but it's just over the top, ridiculous, um, in like the best Weird Al ways where like, you know, he has like this relationship with Madonna that is just so dumb that I love it. <laughs> and just like th- his relationship with his parents is just so over the top. And the things that they say to him are the things that you never want to hear a parent say, but it just makes everything so good. Um, Daniel Radcliffe does a pretty decent job doing Weird Al. All the songs are actually sung by Weird Al, so it's just all voiceover, and it just works. Like, um, I, I felt like it was a comedy where I just laughed every five minutes, had a great time, and washed my hands of it. It was just just a really fun, like, you know, hour and a half comedy. Um, and uh, I guess I would say if you're into Weird Al, like, it, it, it is so Weird Al, it's great. So there you go. I will almost certainly watch that. I love Weird Al. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids love Weird Al. Okay. Then you guys uh, got to watch it. Uh, my son, whenever uh, <laughs> he first heard Just Eat It, like he thought that was like the pinnacle oh. of comedy in our time, right? Yeah. They do something amazing with Eat It, by the way, like just because the entire thing, he's like he he's struggling with this idea of him being like, he wants to be the artist, and but he's only known for being the guy who copies stuff. So he finally writes his own song called Eat It. And then Michael Jackson writes a parody called Beat It. Wow. <laughs> it's so Very good. nice. Very nice. No, we'll have to check oh, that out for sure. Oh, so good. Um, so I, I'll just talk about this really briefly before I talk about my other card game experience. Uh, Last of Us on HBO. Good news. Really well made. Really well-written show. It is not kind of the game, but like 90% of what's in the show is the game. So you kind of have this moment of like, well, why wouldn't I just play the game that I've already played? Um, But it is alarmingly less stressful to watch it. (laughs) Um, Though, again, my wife had no context and made it about 15 minutes into the show before she turned it off and said, I cannot do this anymore. And, <laughs> and like, we haven't even gotten to this stuff with like the other survivor where the kid that turns and all that, like the really grim stuff, but it, it, it does it justice. And I think it's, I mean, I'm not trying to, um, negate it anyway, because it is incredible that they were able to do this on such, I mean, it is a, premium Sunday night HBO show, right? Mm-hmm. 
It's got the, all your markings of that. Great performances, great camera work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if we're being real with each other, The Last of Us is probably one of the most ready-made to be turned into a TV show, video games. For you sure. You could cook up, right? So um, they do a great job, but yeah, it is stressful. I really hope that, because the first season apparently is the first game, that they fill in some of the gaps between the first the, the two games. Um, but yeah, so Cameron... I played in a PTQ, or as we How call it, that? we call it in Flesh and Blood, a ProQuest, because if you win, you get an invite to the professional tour uh, tournament in Baltimore in March. Isn't that nice? And most shops do like a, you got to pre-purchase in, they limit the number of seats, um, but it's like ProQuest season, so there's like a month long where... A lot of people go to multiple Saturdays in a row to try and qualify for their professional event. They also do an XP ladder. So if you're a person that plays, their F&M version is called an armory. You play three or four of those a week, you can get on an XP leaderboard and also get an at-large invite to their pro tour. So the game is still a small enough size. What I did get for registering, and I don't know if this comes across super well, is uh, this is like a coin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For floating mana. So in Flesh and Blood, the way the game works, you kind of end up floating mana a lot. And so you just, like, this is actually made of metal. This is not plastic, um, which is super awesome. So kind of a mm-hmm, nice little trinket. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if you top it, you get prizes. And you got a prize per win, pack per win. Uh, and if you win the whole thing, then you get to open a pack. And it's got a super premium, ultra rare foil that is worth, like, some amount of money, right? Um, but here's what I miss, Cameron. Friday night, I went to that same shop. A bunch of people got together to practice for the event. <sighs> then we all worked together on our deck list, got our deck list all written out, right? We were pre-registered. The next day, show up, deck list sheet in hand. Remember those days? I do. It was great. <laughs> and pairings went up. We had five rounds of Swiss, then cut to top eight. I went two and three. I had a catastrophic mistake that... I really, really, really should have been three and two. Like I like gave a game away basically. Okay. So but these are best of one matches, so the time is like forty five minutes and almost everything finished under time. Um but to a person, everyone was super kind and chill and cool. And I have people that I've very like I'm acquainted with getting to know the scene are offering to loan me cards to if I want to play a different deck next week. For a different pro quest, I mean, keep in mind, this is an at-large bid for a professional event, and they're willing to just loan me cards to play in this event. Like, the community is one of these things that it's really hard to sell on other people until they've experienced it, but it is really, really, really special. Again, ran into a handful of former legacy guys. One guy I talked to, and no one should do this, right? I shouldn't say no one, but um, he sold seven grand of magic cards. And use that to buy basically the entirety of anything he would ever need in Flesh and Blood. Like, <laughs> So we're talking multiple, like a dozen decks, right? Yeah, yeah. And he did this and he goes, I don't know if that was the best financial decision. And I said, well, here's the thing, man. And this is the thing that bugs me about collectibles and card games as a whole. Is there's this weird perception that the correct decision is the decision that makes things go up in value. Right? Mm-hmm. And no one would say that if you said, hey, Curtis... I'm selling my golf clubs to get a to get a Corvette. 
or, or like a like a, a bass boat or something. No one's like, whoa, is that a financially good decision? It's like, good, hey, good for you for pursuing your mm-hmm. hobby, right? Right, yeah, yeah. And I, anyway, it's hard to talk about this game without sounding corny, but there were so many people there that just loved the game and loved playing it, and the community was so strong um, that it was a blast. It also weirdly respects your time more than a magic tournament on a Saturday. I don't know if you remember how those things used to be. But if you got five or six round deep, we were talking seven, eight hours usually, right? Like yeah, that's yeah, for sure. And I did five rounds, and I was home within five hours. You know, dude, I wish you wouldn't be talking about this game. <laughs> Sounds super intriguing. But here, here's what else I'll tell you, Cameron. So first of all, I will help you. Don't buy a card. I've got stuff. But secondly, I, the thing that I hear all the time from uh, different Magic players is I don't. I don't want to get involved in another game. And I would say to you this. You can do both. I do both. First of all, you don't really have to do that much new with Magic. How much real effort, unless you're like a super limited grinder, like if you're playing modern RCQs, Pioneer RCQs, I'm going to go ahead and bet that you know those matchups. I'm going to go ahead and know that, bet that you know those decks, right? Like what do you yeah, really yeah. need to put in? But secondly, it's okay to play multiple card games, right? Like I don't, you know, my wife doesn't say, hey, do you want to play Uno? And I slap it out of her hands. Like, <laughs> no, I'm a one-card game man. house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, th- that's just one of those things that's like, it's okay. But uh, another guy I play with is like a very, very good Pokemon player. And we're kind of both going through that same thing. If we're used to success in our own game and kind of relimiting our, my expectations of like, gee whiz, I hope I win three of my five. <laughs> And I was talking about that, and somebody's like, well, would you have that expectations of a 24-man magic tournament? I was like, absolutely. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. I would go in there with that attitude of, like, I'm going to win this thing. And to, like, recalibrate and relearn, I think, is also... It's very similar to when you go back to working out after not working out for a while. Sure. And you're like, I don't know if I want to go through this butt-kicking again. You know, like, (laughs) the first few days are always so brutal. But anyway, for those of you who know these things, I was on Icelander. Uh, beat Bravo, beat Bolton, lost a close one that I probably shouldn't have to dash, lost to Reinar, and lost to Katsu. So those that was my matchup. So, like, two people got that, but... It's all right, dude. Sounds cool. It really does. It is. It is, Cameron. I will get mm-hmm. you. We're mm-hmm. just going to wait. You're going to avoid me like the plague until that happens, I know, but <laughs> it's going to happen. I will get you one of these coins, too. That's a really cool coin. Yeah, man. Not gonna lie. Yeah. You gotta represent that floating resources. Okay, so Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and tell you why you should learn to play Flesh and Blood, where, where can they find you? It's all in the Magic inbox and on Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We'll check you guys next week. My shop did a 24-man. Some people from Iowa. I just literally dropped all my dice (laughs) across the floor. (laughs) This is brutal, dude. (laughs) All right. So let me try this again.